And we're back. I'm Gervier Brahm here with Chamakar Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into Marvel's What If, Star Wars Visions, and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. Folks, it's showtime. Read up on the nine realms that you will one day rule. Of course, mother. No parties. Of course, mother. Yes! Enjoy the night. Alright, in our first segment we're going to be talking about Marvel's What If, but like I said, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Vision. It's going to be spoilers. All this new content, if you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description and don't forget to subscribe. Now we're going to get into Marvel's What If. I feel like we're at the end game right now, right? We're just getting into like the Infinity War saga, right? We're so close to finishing up this new thing, which was supposed to be like this throwaway thing, but now it feels all of a sudden massively important. We're going to be talking about episode 7 and episode 8. Let's just get into episode 7 first, which was what if Thor were an only child? Yeah. Uh, first, I just want to get your thoughts on just that episode by itself. Yeah, I thought it was an okay episode. Uh, probably, you know, if I reflect back on the series, probably one of the more skippable ones, I guess. It's like, it's like all right, you're going to have Thor, you know, basically, like, what if he grew up as an only child, didn't mm-hmm. have Loki as a brother, what kind of guy would he be? And essentially, it's not too different to the Thor we actually got in the movie. He's, he's still a guy that loves to drink beer, loves to party, but perhaps he doesn't have the, the, the grounded morals and ethics that he got, perhaps, growing up as a sibling to Loki. Yeah. Um, and I think this episode, for what it is, is all about the cliffhanger, how this episode ends. It kind of almost bleeds into episode eight, and we actually had uh, the, 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 the luck to actually watch these episodes back to back, which was fortunate for us. I think we lucked out like crazy. Big time. If I had watched this by itself, I think I would have been pretty disappointed, like just yeah. walking away from just that one episode, episode seven, just because it felt like Honestly, my first thought was like, what in the Family Channel shit is this? Like, yeah. it just didn't feel important. Yeah. I know it's, I get it, it's fun. All these other episodes have been very, like, either really dark or just taking it to such a weird place. This was, like, very grounded and fun. It was, like, I guess intergalactic and all that kind of stuff, too. But it was basically like a sitcom. Yeah. Right? It had a lot of sitcom tropes, like, when Thor was worried that his mom was going to come back and they just got to quickly clean up the room. Like, it's the same thing we've seen in, like, a million different TV shows. Yeah. But... At the same time, it felt like, all right, this could have been like one of those Disney shorts before an animated movie. It could have been five minutes long. I would have got the gist of it. Yeah. And it's purely just that last 10 seconds that we get, that little tease at the end, which we'll talk about. But that felt like the only valuable part of it for me. Everything else kind of felt very throwaway. If anything, it felt like we were watching like a Disney prince within the MCU. Yeah. This is, of all the what-if questions you can come up with as concepts for an episode of this show... This is like bottom of the barrel. It's the weakest idea. And it didn't really work for me that well. Like like I said, because I didn't really see a complete... Like, I didn't see like a a total opposite character of Thor than what we've pretty much been used to. He's still the guy that's, you know, very fairly quick-quick-witted and has these throwaway puns and lines. And, you know, he's hanging out with his friends from Asgard and going around the galaxy and drinking beer. Yeah, there's a reason we want to watch a story about somebody who, like, actually goes through something a little differently like an uh, you know who's like a redeemable character more so than what we saw in this episode right because like what i saw for this episode instead of seeing you know the like it, for example like let's say we watch beauty and the beast i'm watching it for the beast i'm watching it for bell i'm not watching it for gaston right this was gaston like yeah. i'm purely just watching this dude be a jerk the entire time yeah and then all of a sudden he just has this little redemption moment at the end but again didn't feel earned didn't feel great i i, I mean it was kind of funny here and there but i feel like this was a very throwaway episode 
it was fun to see like all the cameos. Like we got Howard the Duck, we got Grandmaster and Nebula, Korg, Drax. The Shield was involved. It was that was fun. Yeah. But beyond that, it was like, all right, well, I got my fix of like it's like a it's like a, a DJ Khaled album. I got all my features, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy, by the way. I loved all the cameos. I'd say probably like if I was gonna say what my favorite moment of this episode was outside of like that cliffhanger, it was pretty cool to see Thor and Captain Marvel go at it, go head to head. Yeah. Uh, because that is something that we haven't really seen uh, in the live action MCU. So I thought that was pretty cool. And they kind of almost left it as a, a time limit draw. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, nobody yeah. wins. Yeah, nobody yeah. loses. They it's like, they're, they're both powerful. We they, get it. Keep them looking strong. They, yeah. they know what's up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, it just felt like kind of a throwaway episode until we get to the end. But just so we can get through our categories, who is the best character for this episode? You know what? It's funny. I'm going to say Loki. I feel like any version of Loki whether it's you know on a TV show, on a movie, or, or, or an anime cartoon, whether he grew up with Thor or didn't grow up with Thor, I just always gravitate towards his character. It's funny that neither of us went towards either Thor or Captain Marvel. Right. Like, uh, that, I think that says a lot about yeah. what this episode accomplished. I went with Kat Denning's character, Darcy, right? She's great again. So is Howard the Duck. I would watch like a limited animated series of just them too, like five minute episodes of just them and their shenanigans. <laughs> yes. like, that was the most fun for me. What about best scene? For me, it's the cliffhanger and we may as well just talk about it now. The cliffhanger uh, has the arrival of Ultron in Vision's body with all six Infinity Stones. Yeah. And my jaw drops and we fade to black. So that kind of blew me away. Yeah, if anything, the idea that like this whole episode was kind of like a lull for me, and then all of a sudden we get this big cameo at the end, I was like, wait, what the hell just happened? Right. Like I was like about to just like, doze off when I was watching that, and then all of a sudden that just happens. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool, I'm back. <laughs> I gotta perk up and pay attention now. Yeah. Um, what did you say star rating wise? This one being a five, if it's the best episode you've ever seen, zero being the worst, where does it end up? This is getting the lowest rating for What If so far this season. I'm giving it a 2.25. I actually went with two. Oh, not too far I from I feel like it's not too far away, yeah, but yeah. again, I think we're in the right ballpark. It yeah. feels like a very, like I said, throwaway episode, pretty meh, fun, but meh nonetheless. If that cliffhanger doesn't uh, happen in the episode, I'm probably going like 2 or 1.75. I'm not even mad at that. Yeah. yeah. I'm I, The whole episode, like the great part about that cameo is I'm sitting there wondering, I'm like, where are the other Avengers? Right. He's obviously brought like all these different characters from all over the galaxy and then our Avengers is just completely gone. Yeah. It's still kind of weird when you actually think about it and like if you think about that concept all the way through, but once you get that cameo at the end, you're like, oh... Never mind. Let's yeah. talk about this. This yeah. is much more important right now. Yeah. Uh, which leads us into our next episode, episode eight of What If? What If Ultron won? He became aware of another. He became aware of the. I see you. <laughs> this is like I wanted to breeze through that last episode because this is I'm glad really, you did. Yeah. This is where we really want to talk about. This is like the meat and potatoes of what we're actually talking about. Yes. Everything we talked about like two minutes ago about being positive and having stakes and actual development in the show, what we were hoping for is this episode. Yeah. Everything that has led up from the Doctor Strange episode, which was the best episode for What If so far, for, for all like everything we were watching with The Watcher, has all led to this. Yeah, you get so much payoff from your investment. Um, throughout the course of this season yeah. at the same time there are so many new setups and we get so much n new information we get character development we get arguably 
one of, if not the most powerful villains that we've had, period, yeah. from the entire MCU. Exactly. And I'm just like, uh, this is probably arguably one of the, if not the best episode of What If so far this season. That's how highly I rate this episode. I completely agree. This feels like an important episode. Consequences matter. It felt so different from the last episode in episode 7 where, again, consequences didn't feel like they mattered at all. But again, like we, we even get like characters that... We wanted to, like we want to see what happens with Hawkeye. We wanted to see like we wanted more from Natasha. Yeah. And like I personally didn't feel like we got that relationship, which is what we were hoping to explore from the Black Widow movie. Right. But I felt like I finally got my fix in here. Yeah. Hawkeye's badass. He's got this awesome arm. He's shooting arrows. He's killing all these Ultrons. At the end of the world is happening because Ultron succeeded. All of a sudden, we get Ultron kind of just walking up. He has that Mind Stone. He's kind of running shit at this point and then all of a sudden this teleportation uh, thing just opens up and out walks Thanos out of nowhere and we're like oh shit business just picked up again right and then shh, slice he's dead Ultron just wipes him out right away and he's holding five gems and all of a sudden we're now we're thinking wait what the hell just happened every piece of expectation we just had from the MCU just completely changed and now this massive Ultron character just became the most biggest mega boss of all the MCU. Yeah, it's like he already had the Mind Stone. He gets the five other Infinity Stones. So he's got all six now. He levels up his armor. Because think about it. He's got the, the Jarvis AI melded with Ultron, melded with Vibranium Suit. He's now just killed Thanos. He's got all six Infinity Stones. He's already wiped out all of the Avengers. He's basically nuked which Planet was Earth. awesome, by the way. Yeah. Just killing all the Avengers was a very cool little sequence that they showed. Right. That was really cool. Hell, he has a Death Star. Yeah. Right? Like, he has his own Death Star where he basically goes and t- like takes out Asgard. Yeah. And he just kills like all these different uh, planets and different universes and all yeah, that. Yeah, you get this great montage where he's going to Ego and he's going to like Asgard and all these other like planets and just literally just destroying them, like wiping everything out. Yeah, and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, what the hell can he do after this? He's beaten Thanos. He's beaten Ego. Where can we go? And we're all watching from the perspective of the Watcher. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that that fourth wall just completely shattered. That blew me away. I was like, oh my god, what's about to happen right now? Exactly. He, he finds the Watcher. And then it was so cool to, number one, see that interaction teased. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But then they go back to Clint and Natasha going like basically like, going through this whole situation where they're trying to find the solution after all these avengers have been kind of uh destroyed and killed yeah. now they're trying to find the one last solution one idea that they can come up with to kind of save the entire universe yeah and it's great because we get the reverse of uh, the end game kind of situation with them where Clint is the one that sacrifices himself yeah and he's the one that basically saves Natasha and saves the universe so that she can go on and help everybody and it was just awesome to see that reversal. Yeah. Uh, also, on the other side, I also feel like he could have hit that little explosion arrow from a greater distance since he's such a marksman. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get too bogged down in that, but it was awesome to see. I love that as a storytelling thing. Like, yeah. That was awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, any un- I have a few unanswered questions. First off, was Steve Rogers becoming president in the background? It kind of looked like it, right? But I feel like it was one of those situations where, where they're going, when, like when they, I guess, I guess they're fighting. Um, Ultron and the Watcher and they're kind of going through all these different universes yeah. it kind of sounded like or looked like in one universe he's about to get sworn in as the president of the United States yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes a lot, all the sense to the world to be yeah exactly and you, and you touched on it but like that's the next thing I want to talk about 
which was the scene where we actually see them do battle. Yeah. Which was Ultron versus the Watcher. And for me, I was thinking, wait, is the Watcher in this, what we're watching in, the, in What If, is he as powerful as we kind of assumed he was? And hell yeah, he's going toe-to-toe with the most leveled up version of Ultron that we've ever seen. Yep. And it was just such an awesome scene in terms of the animation, the concept, the like just the dialogue that was used in that whole thing. It was just fantastic. Like that was one of the most fun series of uh, events that I've seen in the entire What If series. Dude, by watching by this point, uh, I know we've touched on it a little bit in previous episodes. I'm so ready to see a live action version of a culmination of this story or these characters that we've got um i want to see benedict cumberbatch play supreme strange from this show like live action you know like the storytelling possibilities are just so crazy and i think what they've done throughout the course of this what if show um throughout the majority of the episodes are plant so many seeds make you think in a completely different way with regards to characters how they interact with other characters and what versions yeah. of characters that we love we actually you know have to play with in this particular world it's incredible and yeah like you said finally the watcher the narrator of this entire show is now a legitimate character we've kind of got a glimpse of the power that he has we see him do battle i want to see that character get cast in real life and but before we get to that it's like wow we're actually heading somewhere we're heading somewhere really really strong and powerful within two more episodes of this show to go and it's kind of making me think well you know what are we going to get are we going to get some like really big you know finale where we get this coming together of all the characters that have survived and different versions of them and are they all going to come together to help the watcher defeat this version of ultron yeah absolutely not only that but it also feels like what they're doing again we've been talking about this the entire show but they've been setting up all the characters that feel like they're going to be important in the MCU mm-hmm. going forward, we all felt like they were trying to make them look strong, right? Like they'd made, obviously, uh, uh, you know, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, but they were making Black Panther look so strong. They yeah. were making all the characters that are, are going forward going to be included in the Avengers. They're so important in the show. Yeah. So it feels like what they've really been setting up is the idea that of like different possibilities and all these random and wild possibilities of our favorite superheroes all to set up Secret Wars, yeah, right? Doesn't that feel like we're at the end game? Really yeah, is? absolutely. Like, obviously, they're going to have their contained story within What If, but really what they're doing is they're conditioning our minds to be open up to the possibility of anything happening, yeah. which is what they've been doing with Loki, with, uh, with WandaVision, and obviously going forward with Spider-Man, uh, Doctor Strange, and everything, right? Like, it's just, it's all setting up so that we are not limited to the idea of, like, what we thought superhero movies were going to be, like, 10 years ago. We're in a completely different world now. And one thing I want to say about um, Ultron in this particular episode, I I feel like over the course of the MCU and all the live-action movies that we've had, he's probably felt like the general consensus has been he's maybe one of the more underappreciated villains that we had. Listen, I'm going to say whack. Right. I I thought Ultron... Age of Ultron for me is the most whack Avengers movie. It's one of the weakest MCU movies, if you ask me. I just didn't like it. Didn't like the execution of it. The way they salvaged Vision after the fact was tremendous yeah but him by himself if you ask me whack it kind of felt like that was the filler avengers movie to get to the big battle with thanos but i feel like this one episode has almost reinvigorated what ultron can be because we ultimately see him win and we ultimately see we don't we don't get that in movies that the bad guy never really wins yeah we get that in infinity war but that's part one of what endgame gives us but to see Ultron ultimately win and be the big bad in this episode, you're like, whoa. 
Yeah. Like now I see the possibility of what he can become and how powerful he can be. Exactly. Now he's got these infinity stones. Now he's jumping across, you know, multiverses. Oh, and by the way, he's the only character we've seen so far to actually call out the Watcher, break through and actually battle him. Like what, how powerful can this guy be? Exactly. This was absolutely his redemption as yeah. a character. Ultron now is like such a valuable character going forward. If yeah. they wanted to bring him back in Secret Wars, I'm sure if this happened a year ago, I would have been like, ah, why are we bringing back Ultron? Right. Now I'm like, oh shit, they're bringing back Ultron. Right, yeah. I'm excited now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the other question I had was, obviously there are a few lingering characters that haven't been used yet, and I'm uh -huh. sure they're going to be used going forward. Right. But where's Black Panther? And more importantly, where the hell is Scarlet Witch? Because mm. she, for me, is like the missing key in that entire situation. Obviously, Vision is you know, this massively important character for her. Yeah. So I'd love to see, like, sure, this version of Ultron is from a universe where they didn't have that connection. But I'd love to see him, like the version of uh, Scarlet Witch from a version where, like, a universe where they were together right. have to fight this guy. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I think that's where they're leading, to be honest. But, like, that would be so awesome to me. Yeah, well, we got two episodes to go. Yeah. Right? So maybe in the penultimate episode, that's something that gets teased, or maybe we get that in the finale. The, the bottom line here is this particular episode, episode 8, has got me really fired up about the conclusion of this series. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's almost like a go-home to the final two episodes for me. Yeah. And it's like, we have the stages set. We have a new version of characters that are our heroes. And we have just an incredible ultimate level of Ultron, which is like, like I said, I think one of the greatest villains that we've been presented with this version in the MCU period. Yeah, absolutely one of the most powerful villains that we've ever seen yeah. in the MCU, 100%. Uh, let's go into best character for this episode. I feel like this was tough because there are so many to choose from. Yeah, I mean, it was fairly easy for me. Um, Ultron, like I said, best villain uh, from What If, period. One of the best villains in the MCU that we've seen so far. And this is all contained within what? A 20-minute animated like series or half an hour like, animated show. So the, they did a fantastic job in presenting us with like a leveled up brand new heel uh, to be excited about. And, and like we needed a foil ultimately for the course of the show. And they, they nailed it and hit it out of the park with this version of Ultron. You know what? I'm actually going with, as much as I agree with that entirely, I'm going with the Watcher. Uh -huh. Only because we like, we get this new character that's, like, we've we've basically seen Bubble yeah. across the universe for these What Ifs episodes. Just narrating, so not doing yeah. much, really. And then all of a sudden, now he's part of this really important thing, and he the fact that he is part of it makes the whole story feel so much more important. Yeah. And the fact that he's a part of it, and the fact that he's so vulnerable and powerful at the same time, it's just a lot to kind of experience. As much as this is a redemption for Ultron, this was like a great introduction for the Watcher. I agree. So I'm very excited to see what happens with him. What about best scene? I feel like this is relatively easy. Well, I think you must have heard me pop while we were watching it together. But man, Ultron killing Thanos by literally splitting him down the middle into with a, a laser shooting out of his head. Oh my God, talk about chef's kiss. I want to see that scene, that actual sequence play out in live action because that was so dope. I love that. I'm actually going with, uh, I was thinking of the Watcher versus Ultron. Okay. The sequence of them just battling from multiverse to multiverse. That to was multi sick as well. That was, in, that was amazing. Like that was everything I've ever wanted in like this concept of like endless possibilities. I think in this one episode alone, there's literally, I think four or five scenes or sequences that you can p uh, pick and validate as being the best scene. That's how good and how powerful this episode was. Great episode. Also a great line uh, when he's hoping for Clint to finally like to keep going and work hard and all that kind of stuff. He says, you're human. You keep hope against the worst of odds. Like it's mm. just great writing in the show yeah, too. Yeah, that was great. V like fantastic stuff. 
What a completely different, like, what a night and day difference from the last episode. Yeah, 100%. What about star rating? Five being the best, zero being the worst. Where's this one end up? 4.5. This is as close to perfect. This is as close to just an all-time banger you, as you're going to get so much. And like I said, I feel like the, we were lucky that we watched episode seven and eight back to back yeah because that cliffhanger literally rolls right into episode eight and this whole episode is literally all about ultron and um, we get the watcher involved and there's so much good things happening and so many new things happening that yeah i, I absolutely loved it i couldn't recommend it enough yeah for me i had to go with uh, i'm going with about 4.25 mm-hmm. it the only reason is just um, falls a little bit short to the emotional connection that you get from the doctor strange episode sure so I feel like it's just below that. But yeah. other than that, second best episode so far we've had this ep- mm-hmm. this entire series. Yep. Business just picked up. It did. Not only that, but I'm just, I'm so glad. To be honest, we like, just a little uh, behind the scenes. I was telling you, I was like, listen, I feel like we've watched enough of this what if. Like, I feel like this isn't, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Right. I'm so glad you got me to stick with it. <laughs> yes. Because it ended up being awesome and I'm so excited to see where this kind of ends up. Yeah, I feel like when we start any show, it's like we, we owe it to the to the listeners to see it through to the end regardless of what happens. Uh, but yeah, uh, I can completely understand like if there was like a, a part of this show where people are like, ah, do I really need to pay attention? And I'm glad that they're now starting to connect everything. Yeah. Where it, your investment in any episodes as perhaps inconsequential some episodes may seem to you at that time, perhaps you're gonna get that payoff. And it, and, it, and it seems as though they're really treating this like its own show, its own world, the Watchers involved now. And, and all of these characters, like I said, that you know, you've seen new versions of, you're gonna get to see more of them in a much you know, bigger way, in a, in a much bigger platform down the road, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad we ended up sticking through it because now, because of this episode, it felt like all these episodes we watched before were worth it. Yeah. But yeah, that's everything for Marvel's What If. Uh, we got two more episodes going. Just a little heads up of where we're going to be going for our schedule. is uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And then after that, once we do have the last two episodes, we're going to be talking about the final two together. Yes. Next, before we even get into all the actual news stories, it's just there's so much Star Wars news that just came out recently. Right, right. I feel like I just want to get through that a little bit. And even before that, let's talk about the new show that just came out, Star Wars Visions. Jedi. It's been a long time since I killed a Jedi. Alright, we just got to watch episode one. That's all we really got through so far. But I feel like we can have like a whole podcast episode just on that 14 minute episode. I could talk about that for an hour. Yeah. That was, was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, they all dropped all the episodes in, in one go dumped on us like a week ago on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, I think they're all like about 15 minutes each. So if you want to just kick back for a few hours and watch some animated Star Wars, that's your go-to. They're all individual stories. And we just watched the first episode. It was called The Duel. Just listen to this in terms of a description of this episode. Set in an alternate history, 20 years after the fall of the feudal Jedi Empire, a lone wanderer known only as Ronin witnesses a legion of former stormtroopers attempt to besiege a small village. Ronan fights the leaders of the bandits, a self-declared Dark Lord of the Sith, armed with a heavily modified lightsaber while his droid saves the villagers. Ronan, a former actual Sith, lures her into a trap and kills her. Ronan, shown to be collecting red kyber crystals from each Sith he has killed, decides to give the leaders crystals to the villagers, citing that it can ward off evil. I mean, my mind is blown from just reading that one paragraph. That on the screen in a anime style 
cartoon on Disney Plus. I'm like, inject more of that into my <laughs> veins right now, please. We've been talking about moving away, getting away from the beaten path that is Star Wars and the Skywalker saga. Give us something new. Let us live in this world. Let's talk about alternate, you know, histories and alternate uh, universes and things like that. This is fantastic. And if this is just uh, a sample of what we're going to get while we start to watch the rest of these episodes, I, I'm, I'm in for it. I am so in for this. Yeah, it, it's no BS. They get right into the action. It's short and sweet. The action's incredible. The artwork's incredible. I'm like a Star Wars fan and a weeb, so this is like right up my alley. Whoever's running Disney right now, Kathleen Kennedy, she just has an algorithm to my brain at this moment. Like, it's just, she's figured it out, all right? They're obviously leaning towards like the origins of Star Wars, which is how George Lucas always leans to Kurosawa yes. as like being a big... Imp like, Somebody who made a big impression on him, and he yeah. wanted to use that a lot for the original Star Wars movies. Yes. This was an incredible adaptation of that. It, mm -hmm. was, it was great because, obviously, these aren't going to be canon, but I need them to be canon. I want a live-action version of this. I need, <laughs> I need an entire Star Wars movie or series just completely based on Japanese samurai culture. Right? Right? Like, I just need to be sitting in that. I need more of this. This is too much of a tease to not continue. Yeah. Right? And, and at the end of the day, like, it's just, there's so many things. I, I, again, I'm excited for watching Star Wars Vision, but what this really does is it makes me excited for the future of Star Wars. Yeah. Right? We got the Book of Boba Fett premiering on Disney Plus on December 29th. Andor has wrapped filming. Yes. And Kenobi has wrapped filming. And Ewan McGregor even said that it will not disappoint. So they're setting up these massively high expectations for these shows. Yeah. And at this point, after Mandalorian, after what we're getting right here, yeah. I believe in Star Wars. Yeah, it's, I it's, believe in Star Wars again. It's great to get... I, I remember seeing, uh, what, last week where George Lucas' uh, ex-wife or something like that was complaining about what the sequel trilogy did to Star Wars. But let's just forget that for a second. Let's yeah. live in the current... Everything that we're getting right now has been so fantastic. Yeah. And it just feels like we're in finally in this positive place where it doesn't have to be a divisive fan base where you're just deciding, do I like Star Wars now or do I just like the originals? Everything that's happening right now, we finally turned a corner. It's here. Yeah, I think the uh, the sequel trilogies and the, the solo movie, you know, they, obviously they, they missed on, on a lot of different ways. And I feel like on Disney+, Plus. Star Wars properties so far have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Just like reinvigorated my passion and my love for Star Wars. And I'm not even the biggest Star Wars fan. I would consider myself kind of like just a, an upgraded version of, of a casual Star Wars fan. Obviously, I grew up with it. You know, I'm almost 14 a couple of years. So this is definitely part of my life, Star Wars. And I feel like Star Wars visions may even be to Star Wars what What If is to the MCU in exactly. many ways. It's kind of giving you some possibilities you know, and again, we've only seen episode one, right? We haven't seen the entire series yet, but it's making you think, making you wonder, and I'm sure Disney and Star Wars and those guys are gonna get the feedback from the fan base in terms of what episodes they loved, and maybe this will spark certain departments to say, hey, let's just roll with like a, um, an actual live action show or a live action movie based on, a, on this particular concept or this one-off episode. Let's see what happens. I think the biggest thing what this does is it's, it's, it's less like What If because he, while What If is going to lean on very popular characters at, to kind of play with the stories that we're already familiar with, yeah. what this is doing is, is it's almost leaning on concepts we're familiar with but now we're just seeing them in extrapolated in whatever possibility that these creators can come up with. Right. That's so much more fun for me. Like, as a nerdy fan, and again, like you, like you said, you're a little bit less of a Star Wars fan than you'd call yourself a hardcore fan or something like that. Yeah. But 
at the end of the day, like just this is the kind of stuff that's going to make people into massive Star Wars fans down the line. Yeah. Because it keeps you satiated until you know that movie comes out, and the fact that they're uh, moving in this direction where they're letting people be creative with the, the the art form. Yeah. They're not like boxed in how it kind of felt like what was happening with the the movies for the past like two trilogies. Yeah. This feels like they're finally open to the possibility of exploring a completely different part of the universe that we love. Yeah. What was cool also, also was uh, th- this is a black and white um, anime. Yeah. So literally, the only color you see is from the, the lightsabers and um, maybe some like lights on the droids. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it's like, that is nice. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Because like, it just helps illuminate, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a very powerful, I guess, uh, storytelling device to make, to go black and white. You don't really see too many uh, black and white animated shows, period, sure. let alone there'll be even one based on Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, they nailed it. And like I said, we've only seen episode one. Let's see if over the course of these eight or nine episodes, do they touch on the Skywalker saga? Do they touch on Darth Vader or, you know, how have these various teams and departments, you know, taken the the project brief and be like, hey, we can make a 15 minute animated short. What do you want to do it on? This very first episode did their own story, alternate history. Let's see what the other eight do. Yeah, I'm so excited to see where we're going to be going with this. But this might be like what a hot take or whatever. But I feel like I'm more excited right now for Star Wars than I am for the MCU, if I'm being completely honest. Like, it's more because we know where we're going with the MCU, right? I'm almost more excited to see what the potential of what we're going to be getting from Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so much fun. I feel like MCU, the bar is already very high, yeah. just given what they've done. And I feel like with Star Wars, it's not so much a bit of an underdog feeling. It is a little bit. But there is an anticipation of, hey, listen, we see what you did. You know, you got your, your value, you got your money's worth with these sequel trilogies. Now you really have to like hit it home for the hardcore fans. Listen, now you really have to deliver. Not we know that these are going to be very commercially successful. Now we need them to almost be critically successful. Sure. At, at the end of the day, like you're saying, it's not. It doesn't. It's not really an underdog. At the end of the day, these are massive corporations yeah. fighting other massive franchises, and like really, all they're really doing is competing for your dollars. Yeah. But just as fans of these massive franchises. Star Wars finally feels like an underdog. Mm. It feels like it's coming from from the bottom and it's like really building itself back up. Mm-hmm. And I'm so down for as the MCU has grown to this like massive level. I'm down for Star Wars to finally get back to like a place of prominence where we can be like super proud of like what they've been putting out. Yeah. And I, I think this is like the right direction. I'm really excited to see where they go going forward. Absolutely. But yeah, let's get into a few other news stories because there are tons of them. Uh, first, like, we're just talking about animated stuff. Let's talk about the new Super Mario movie that's coming out. Let's go! Yahoo! Mm. Uh, it's getting an animated movie with the cast of Chris Pratt as Mario, Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black as Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. It's set to be released in 2022 in the holiday season. I'm a little excited. I know a lot of people are uh, talking shit about Chris Pratt as Mario, but I feel like I'm excited about this. Yeah, I wasn't too concerned about him being cast. And again, these actors are doing voiceover work. You know, this is an animated movie. It would have been a whole different story if it was going to be a live-action movie. I remember being a kid and watching the Mario Brothers movie and being completely bummed out with what we got. It was just like, how did you make this movie? What were you even thinking, right? Yeah, it almost felt like like Mario was like a property that's just been completely untapped. Yeah. Right? It just It's obviously one of the most enduring properties in video game history. Yep. But it just hasn't been adapted to the big screen. And now that it finally is, it feels like, all right, cool. I'm here. I'm ready for this. 
I'm excited to see Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Charlie Day as Luigi is just like perfect casting for some reason. I don't know why, but it just seems perfect. And like everybody around that, Jack Black as Bowser, like this is going to be a very, obviously a very funny movie. They have the right people for that to exist, but I'm sure Nintendo is treating this as a very important property for them going forward. So I kind of trust that this is going to be a very fun movie going forward. Yeah, and I'm glad it's an animated movie. Yeah. I actually loved uh, the, the animated cartoon series, Mario Brothers. I actually grew up with that. Yeah. And I actually thought that was really fun. I actually look forward to it. I remember going to the, the, my local library and like renting out the videos so I can like watch them on the weekends. So yeah, I'm really glad they're staying away from the live action because I think it's a pretty hard thing to do live action. I think animated is the way to go and I'm looking Animate forward to it. Animated is the way to go. It's yeah. like, at the end of the day, these are kids' movies and they should be treated as such, but yeah. let's let's just make sure they're fun. That's all I care about. The cool thing about Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers is uh, the fact that it's a generational property. It's like, you know, got, what, 30, 40 years worth of investment from the video games. It's like parents played it, kids have played it, teenagers have played it. Whatever generation you're from, at some point you probably played a Mario Brothers game. Uh-huh. Whether it was Mario Kart or Mario mm-hmm. World or Mario Land or Mario Brothers. So, Super yeah. Smash. Like, Super, there's yeah, Mario so many, Kart. Some, you're playing something, something with yeah. Mario associated with it. So it's yeah. finally time to, like, take that to the next level and make this dude into a movie star like he deserves. As far as video game movies, if you could think of like one off the top of your head, do you have any like that you would like want to see actually turned into a movie? Ooh, Castlevania is one. Um, Grand Theft Auto probably is another. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, but those are the two that come to mind straight away. I feel like Legend of Zelda. It's just like this. Oh un- yes, un- it's like this unta- Like, how do they not have a Zelda movie? Let's go point? Game of Thrones style uh, epic. You know, dude. If you're gonna do the money, it, let's do it. Let's not even do a movie. Let's do an actual show. Exactly. If you're gonna do a series, let's fucking do it. Yeah. If you're gonna be throwing all this money at like Lord of the Rings, like I feel like Zelda has like so much mythology behind oh, it. Yes, it'd be so much fun. Like it doesn't have to be ten seasons long, but it, it can easily be a long series, and you can explore a lot of stuff. You can explore it with different versions of Link because that's what the story of it is. From boy to man. Yeah, there, yeah. there's so many things that you that's can do. That's a great call. It that's, would be so much fun. I'm surprised that we actually haven't had one yet, but like, given how popular Lord of the Rings is, um, how popular Game of Thrones is, even The Witcher has been fantastic. Talk, talk about video game adaptations. The Witcher is about to drop season two in the not too distant future. That has reinvigorated my love for Henry Cavill and what he can do in a, in a particular performance, in a particular role. So yeah, give me some Zelda, man. There was this old school trailer that came out for April Fool's one day through IGN, and it was incredible. It was just a little tease, right. but it made me want, like, I had this craving for that movie to come out, as, or series to come out at some point. Yeah. And it's almost like tragic that it hasn't happened at this point. Next, Netflix is looking to expand the Stranger Things universe. One possible spinoff could be that they focus on Millie Bobby Brown's character, Eleven. Kind of feels weird to me considering she's the main character of the show that already exists. Yeah. But uh, any thoughts? Like, are you actually... uh, Number one, are you a fan of Stranger Things? I do. Um, I still feel like they haven't quite hit the mark of that first season. When that first season dropped, I was like blown away. It was like, you know, uh, 80s nostalgia. You're just like checking every single box for, for me in terms of like the... The, the costume and the characters and the, the casting music. the music and just like um, some suburban town in America yeah that's what it's all about right yeah the first season was something special yeah and then the last couple of seasons have been okay but again like I said haven't hit that first uh, season mark for me so I'm looking forward to this next season let's see if they can redeem it and or at least kind of keep some, keep some sort of uh, sustainability in terms of quality I feel like Stranger Things is all about this group of kids though so you take one away 
uh, to do some sort of spin-off. I don't know if it works or not for me. So I completely agree. At the end of the day, like we have like, be like we're just like watching these kids kind of grow up. Yeah. And if you're just going to take away one, which is obviously very pivotal to the main story that's actually happening, like what are we really doing? Right. All right. It just feels kind of hollow if you ask me i feel like this is the kind of story that requires a spin-off if you ask me i feel like stranger things is was one of those properties that is completely owned 100 percent by netflix and they're trying to perhaps figure out a way to prolong its life whether it be more shows or spin-offs i've heard there's going to be a video game coming that might even be downloadable exclusively on netflix so they are trying to figure out a way and look netflix has been investing in so many properties over the course of the last decade and now i think they want to try and figure out a way to have multiple revenue streams and keep the the life cycle of these properties you know um you know as strong as possible for as long as possible yeah it also feels like at the end of the day if you really did want to explore a spin-off from the stranger things universe her name is Eleven. There's ten other characters that came before her. Yes. And there's all these other numbers that came after her. They could do a whole little uh, Cloverfield kind of situation where you don't actually deal with the immediate story all the time. Yeah. You could deal with just a variation from the same universe. I don't need to see Eleven. Show yeah. me Twelve. Yeah. Show me Thirteen. Yeah. All right, let's see what else is going on. I like that idea. And kind of not superhero movie news, we got John Watts, who obviously is going to be doing Fantastic Four, you know, still superhero stuff. Yeah. But... He will be uh, writing, directing, and producing a new thriller starring Brad Pitt and George Clooney. I think it's their first uh, project together since the Oceans movies. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, man, I'm, I want to see George Clooney come back to prominence. I like George Clooney. All right? he, I, I've always been a fan of like his acting ability, just his star power. And just I feel like he's able to deliver kind of like a unique character that's not really seen these days. Yeah. And I don't want to see him in like a superhero movie. So I'm excited to see what he does in something like this. I kind of feel like, I don't know if it was the whiskey or the tequila, but he had some sort of alcohol brand. He which, killed it, yeah. Which blew up and he yeah. made so much money. Yep. And like, I feel like since then, he is so particular with Hollywood, like whether it's acting or directing. I can't remember the name from the top of my head, but I watched one of his movies that he directed like last year. And that was his first movie that he'd made in like, I think a good minute. I just remember the poster, the snow thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember you actually recommended it on one of Yeah, <laughs> one I can't of remember episodes. from the top of my head right now. But yeah, that's just like how out of the cycle he is. And yeah, look, I want to see him on screen too because I feel like he's got some amazing screen presence. Yeah. And to have him back there with Brad Pitt in any way, shape or form, why not? Let's do There's it. There's few leading men that have the kind of charisma that George Clooney yeah, has. Yeah, I agree. And, and pair him up with Brad Pitt, that's like oozing charisma. That's money. That's money, me. yeah. The last thing we're going to talk about is Ridley Scott says that Gladiator 2 is currently being written and will start shooting after his next film. His next film being Kitbag, which stars Joaquin Phoenix, which is going to be his Napoleon movie. Right. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? First off, is that the first time anything has won Best Picture and it gets a sequel? That's a great question. Did Goodfellas, uh, no Goodfellas, did um, The Godfather win Best Picture? And then did we get Good like call. Uh, Good call. the sequels? Um, we'll have to like double check that. But listen, when it comes to a sequel to Gladiator, I remember, again, I know we've spoken about this a little bit in the past. There are some times uh, and some moments in my life where I remember vividly the day I watched a particular movie in the theater and I knew that I'll watch something special. Yeah. I remember being in the theater watching Gladiator and the, the thing about Gladiator that a lot of people perhaps don't remember, 
Award season is usually around October, November, December. That's when you kind of get the movies and everyone starts to vote in preparation for the actual award shows that kick off in January, February, right? Sometimes March. That particular year, Gladiator dropped in like, I think it was March or April. So basically the whole, you know, year had to pass by and it still had to be on the forefront of everyone's minds to make sure that it got the votes and the nominations and ultimately win the awards. So it was like, it, it kind of got released in what is now MCU season. Yeah. Back like in 1999 or early 2000s or whatever time period that was. It's been, it's been a long time. But yeah, okay, so we're going to get a sequel. It's Ridley Scott. For the most part, I think when you look at Ridley Scott's resume, he doesn't miss that often. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely interested whether they bring back Russell Crowe. Do they go in a completely different direction? Do they carry on with that character or Maximus? We'll find out. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's Ridley Scott, man. Like one of the greatest directors of all time. And if he wants to make more period movies, whether it's Napoleon or whether it's a Gladiator sequel, I'm all for it. Yeah, I actually, again, I'm just, we've talked about this before, but I just like the fact that directors find actors that they work well with and they work with them in more than one project. Yeah. The fact that he's working with Joaquin Phoenix for now years and years and years, and especially after Gladiator, how much of a success that was and, and a breakout performance for Joaquin Phoenix. And now we're able to see him as Napoleon. I, I would love to see, you know, like whatever happens with Gladiator 2 because that is not something that we see often where no. something wins Best Picture. And number one, like sure, Gla- now we know Godfather 2 happened, but Gladiator 2 happening basically 20 years after the fact that the first one happened. Exactly. That is a completely unique situation. I never would have thought it happened. And Gladiator is an iconic movie. Yeah. It is it's really an iconic movie absolutely. and it, you know could a sequel damage its legacy we'll we'll have to wait and see, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh let's get into our last segment. Let's get wrecked our weekly recommendation segment. Where we talk about if you were in Blockbuster and you were just picking a movie out for Friday night, you wanted to see what Chet's pick is, you want to see Randy's pick. Instead, you're going to get Sandu's pick. Sandu, what's your pick this week? Okay, so I know that we've had a lot of uh, Star Wars discussion on the show today. So I'm actually recommending something that dropped about a month ago, but I only recently got a chance to watch. And it's the brand new Disney Gallery episode based on The Mandalorian. And this particular episode focuses on the season two finale with a major focus on that Luke Skywalker cameo in terms of how they got it done, how they kept it a secret, um, the the various ways they were exploring of how to shoot it and film it. I found it fascinating. I think you would too, especially with the Book of Boba Fett coming up and everything else. And yeah, I, I feel like the gallery, the best episodes have been Star Wars related. Like when we got the Mandalorian uh, gallery after that first season and we saw how they were actually shooting it, uh, I thought it was fantastic. And now we're getting this. It's just, it's really good stuff. I love more behind the scenes like this. It really is something that I look forward to. Yeah, especially with the change that's kind of happening behind the scenes with Star Wars. It just feels like those are, we're just watching history kind of being made in various different ways. And it's just fun to kind of see behind the scenes for that. Yeah, you're right. That is a tremendous recommendation. For mine, it is Netflix's new limited series, Midnight Mass. It's Mike Flanagan's new series. He's responsible for Haunting of the Hell House. Uh, Dr. Sleep, and the fantastic thriller Hush, which coincidentally was my recommendation two weeks ago. Uh, It has a fantastic cast, fantastic pace, stunning visuals. It's genuinely creepy. And listen, it's time for Halloween season. We're just getting into October. This is the kind of thing I just actually started a few weeks or a few days ago, and I'm already hooked. I'm excited to see where it goes. Midnight Mass, check it out. Uh, But that is everything for this week. Jumba, where can anybody find us? All right, we are at Screen Off Script 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for those of you that do listen to us on the Apple Podcast platform, if you can take 30 seconds out of your time, rate and review us, that would be much appreciated. That is how shows get found and promoted on the Apple Podcast platform. So if you can do that, that would be much appreciated from us. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.